Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Affinity Collective Action Broadcast, your one-stop shop for Irish news and news abroad. Um, yeah, so it's been a while. It's been a long while. I feel like we've witnessed the collapse of civilization since the last broadcast, which was in June, where two members of our collective were talking about neoliberalism and the Catholic Church and it being a big place of bondage. But anyway, on this episode, we are we have someone new. So, uh, yeah, my name's uh, Eleanor and with me I'm joined by... Marcus, how's it going? Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, this is your first podcast, right? That's correct. Deadly. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, a little anxious, but also glad to be here. Cool. You're in a, a safe, virtual sonic sphere, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, this it's nice to be in a in a in a safe sonic sphere at the moment. Um today is November third, so there's a lot of big news that's gonna be coming out um on the other side of the world later today and over the next couple of days, so that that is something that's on my mind. Absolutely, yeah. If there's any reason to feel trepidations or anxiety, don't let it be about this podcast. Let it be about the existential dread associated with climate breakdown, presidential elections, pandemics, winter evictions, all of that not-so-good crack. So yeah, let's let's get into it. Uh, what's going on across the pond? How are we all feeling about it? Because it's a decision that not only affects that continent it really is going to affect the entire planet yeah it has knock-on consequences all across the globe doesn't it and i think i think most people are aware of that um uh, americans and non-americans included and yeah um there there's there's gonna be much bigger voter turnout than usual though this year isn't that right um, it is, right? Yeah, I think we've never seen, um, at least in my lifetime in America, more polarised. I think having people people having witnessed the last four years, the ramifications of having Trump elected has been very instrumental in, in making people who previously wouldn't have really voted, making sure that they actually vote. Um, perhaps another thing as well is because of the coronavirus, we've seen a huge uptake in mail ballots or ma- mail order ballots. <laughs> yeah. Um, so people who may not have previously engaged with voting are now like, oh, I can do my mail order. Also, a big thing is that Trump, uh, you probably know, wanted to abolish the USPS, so the United States Postal Service, which is one of the best postal services in the world. And um, I mean, can you really be any more obvious in like your uh, intent to you know make it incredibly difficult for people to vote in really rural areas I mean it's just so obvious that that was the intention um, so he actually lost a lot of support because of that because a lot of people in you know rural parts of a lot of states where there's nothing except for maybe a few stores and a post office they rely on that service to get prescriptions, mm. to stay in touch with relatives, all that stuff. The prescriptions being a huge one. Um, so there was a huge uptake in people doing mail order ballots because of that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. People having a lot more time to think about politics because they might have been out of work due to the coronavirus. Um, but yeah, I mean, America's never been more polarized. Is it amplified by the, the internet? I'm not sure. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. There's 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 huge things that distort information 
um, in all our lives, but especially it seems in American lives. And uh, yeah, I, I think after the results of the last election, presidential election four years ago, it shocked so many people to learn how much manipulation had gone on there and in the UK with the Brexit stuff and how similar that stuff was and uh, how easily people could just be swayed to either engage with you know a nefarious uh, candidate or to not engage with the with the electoral system at all because there was a huge oh don't bother voting at all kind of push you know that kind of stuff happened as well and it was very successful a lot of people didn't vote because of it and i mean it was a different election last time you know because a lot of people just didn't like hillary clinton for <laughs> whatever reasons and uh and so they were like fuck it just won't even bother pulling that lever <laughs> that that really hurt yeah for sure i don't know if you remember but i believe like twelve thousand people uh you know the figure actually might be a lot smaller than it was but anyway a significant portion of the population voted for like harambe the gorilla that died oh, you know yeah. the way you have the option to like fill in your own name which yeah, is like right. it, you know people took a picture of it and put it on the internet on like a subreddit and everyone's like oh lol and it's like no that actually might have been like a big factor in whether or not we would have seen this president as um you know go, go into leadership but yeah i mean it's it's a very it's a very tense time i know from like my homies on the ground in the states they're seeing a lot of businesses board up their windows we're seeing like empty shelves again and people panic buying and people are preparing like practically and psychologically for a full-on like riots and possibly some kind of a, a civil war as a result of this but people reckon that it's predicted anyway that if biden got into power that the riots might be significantly less, but I don't know if that's just a hot take or if it's actually grounded. Oh, in any... really? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I would have assumed they'd be, they'd be much worse if, uh, if Biden won. Yeah. But I don't know. I just don't know because like there's just so much media coming out and it all has spin and it 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 feels incredibly tense, um, especially uh, like a couple of weeks after the whole. BML stuff started, uh, or BLM stuff started. Yeah, I was like, oh, what's that movement? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it, it just really felt like that country was on the verge of civil war, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was scary. It was, but... But, but it then also... when, you, when you look more into the stories, it turned out that there was really beautiful things happening there at that time. The, um, I can't remember what they called them, but the, the kind of like they made exclusion zones or what was it what was it they made in a couple of cities oh like in in seattle we had like the the free zone yeah the capital capital hill autonomous zone yeah there was just yeah the autonomous zones they were they they were quite they were very successful in what they wanted to do and there was really great stories that came out of it and you know i think it turned out that less people were getting murdered inside their inside those zones than they were getting murdered outside (laughs) the zones and like that's yeah. a start you know it's grim but it's a start yeah it's like and, uh, freetown christiana in copenhagen that's another uh, police free zone where you know i think if we trust people to right. to live uh, create autonomous societies who knows what'll happen um but yeah yeah it's 
it's a lot. But I think in these times, you know, we, we couldn't really, we can't really leave the system in place as it was. It's incredibly racist, oppressive, it's destroying the climate. So the transition out of that system, which is incredibly powerful, um, it's, it's never going to be easy, you know. These people aren't just going to give up their positions and power overnight, you know. So it's going to be really turbulent, which is what we're seeing. So a lot of people I know in the States are optimistic. They're terrified, but optimistic that maybe this is the change that needs to happen, you know. Because when we burn the system to the ground, then we create um, space for for a new way of living to, to emerge. Um, but, yeah... yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think, yeah, you were saying that, you know, it really does affect every single place on earth, you know, whether or not Trump gets into power, if we think about, like, his climate policies and his withdrawal from the Paris Agreement, uh, and they're one of the, like, top industrial polluters in the world, um, to have someone who's a climate change denier, which is possibly like really the leveler on earth i mean climate change does not discriminate against anyone it's going to affect all of our lives a lot so if you have one of the biggest superpowers in the world like denying the existence of climate change despite seeing all of these extreme uh crazy weather conditions are completely unprecedented in the states if we're seeing like already climate refugees in other parts of the world if you have a world leader that's denying the existence of that so that they can perpetuate you know uh, oil uh, mining in America just for the purpose of profit. That's bad. So one thing, I mean, Biden, it's like, let's be honest, he's not that good. It's sad, but it's a stepping stone, hopefully, to what could be a better a better world. But I know that he has some mad climate uh, proposal that's worth like $2 trillion. $2 trillion. Um, Biden, is it? Yeah, Biden. And like, hopefully it's not just jibber jabber jargon to like get people on board to vote for him, but it's got to be better than what Trump would do, which is not only (laughs) nothing, but also a lot worse. Like, you know, removing the status of national parks and monuments. I mean, if you undermine that, these are protected spaces. If you undermine that with even one national park, then what does it mean for the rest of them? That status of a national monument or a national park, it becomes meaningless, you know? It's like actually, sadly enough, in, in Ireland recently, didn't pass through, which is deadly, but there were five fishermen who applied for licenses to cull the grey seal, um, which is a protected species in Ireland. They're thriving at the moment, which is great, but these are a protected species. So if you remove that yeah. status of protected, then it puts every other species with this tag uh, at risk, you know? Um, wow. So, yeah. So, but, but one big thing, sorry, before I've been talking a lot, but... Um, he wants to make a transition from the country. So everyone knows America is a big oil country, but he's apparently as as passionate as Biden can be. He wants to transition the country from the oil industry, and that's that is really monumental. Great into kind of green energy production. Yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. have they have such incredible potential to to be able to provide themselves with uh, huge amounts of energy for close to no cost. Or at least, you know, kind of a large investment and then that's it, you know. And, I mean, that the thing about the United States is that they're really used to cheap energy. You know, petrol's really cheap, electricity's really cheap. And uh, and they could continue that trend if they would just, you know, take the money that they're subsidizing the oil industries with and invested that into solar panels in the 
Mojave Desert or something like that, and uh, you know, boom, you've got you've just got huge amounts of energy. I mean, they built the Hoover Dam. You know, what an incredible piece of engineering that's provided mm -hmm. huge amounts of 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 support for for living in unhabitable unhabitable parts of the United States, and it's also you know maybe flooded a couple of valleys, which is very unfortunate and sad. But uh, you know, there's they they can they can continue that trend. You know, they've got they've got huge potential for that, and I wish they would engage with it. So hopefully, Biden would take some of that money that he claims he will invest in green energy and stuff do stuff like that with it it'd be good to see <laughs> yeah it'd be all right i guess <laughs> uh yeah i mean two trillion though it's such an incomprehensibly large amount of money like <laughs> two and then yeah. a lot of zeros well like tw 12 zeros i mean that's absurd um but anyway i mean is that amount of money even necessary i suppose yeah for for, for all 52 states absolutely um, but it's mad. I, I sometimes think about like what would aliens think, you know, if they were just looking at Earth from up above and they're like, is it a holiday destination? And they're kind of looking down with a little, a little reverse periscope, and they're like, um, <laughs> shield, shield your eyes, kid. You don't want to see what's going on down there. But they try to rationally, like you know, figure out what kind of a species we are. What are we doing? But I imagine you know, to be an advanced species, you have to understand energy pretty good to be powering your spaceship around and they're going to be looking at earth and they're going to be like the fuck are they burning <laughs> like <laughs> billion year old compressed plants for energy when they're literally surrounded by an untapped abundance you know like back to the states i know that apparently like a quarter of the country uh is windy enough that they could completely rely on wind energy alone to power those wow. four states and actually there's a place in texas i can't remember the name of the town i think it's george george georgetown but it's uh the, it was the first there could be more since but it's the first american city um that was powered entirely by renewable energy and Whoa. just gave me a lot of hope to hear stuff like that um yeah. and i know in california like uh they're the governor of the the san francisco not sure if it's bay area governor of san francisco anyway has done pretty groundbreaking things in terms of trying to make the city transition to a more green way of being like all the public transport is electric and um oh. all the food waste is turned into energy really and other 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 things but they want to yeah they want to have a mandate brought in that some parts of asia have that's like mandated green roofs on any new infrastructure and then like pre-existing uh -huh. infrastructure must be built yeah. so that it's got the environment and also like the psychological well-being of people nearby at mine so not just having like infinite high-rises they must have like spaces with little gardens and stuff that just mean people won't um be real depressed from living in a gray city um so that's, that's cool, cool cool stuff that is cool stuff yeah and then in in our little island that we that we are living on there's we we actually could get a lot out of solar because people are like oh, ireland's all cloudy but you can get a fucking huge amount of energy from from just solar panels you know people and they just cover their roof and solar panels and boom they are good they have to worry about like bird shit and clean them every so often but like it's good and then like wind man we could power the entire island off of oh, wind yeah. alone yeah, yeah can you imagine that would be something but uh yeah i mean ireland's a slightly different story just because we have we have a low population density 
for the area that we have, but there's kind of people everywhere. You know, there's 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 there, there's just you know every every bit of Ireland there's kind of someone there's there's a house somewhere. You're never that far from somebody. So putting up wind turbines in different places is great. Like you you get lots of energy, and there is lots of wind, but you know that you know it's it could it's easy for it to cause trouble for someone. You know. Um, which is unfortunate. Uh, with with the solar panels, that like we, it's they're so great in summer in Ireland, you know, because we're on such a northern latitude that we get, you know, in June we'll we'll get kind of eighteen hours of sun, you know, in a, in you know, in late June, you know, it's uh, it's just the flip side of that in winter where you'll only get, you know, kind of five hours of light, you know, on a winter day, and the and the sun is very low and stuff like that. So there, there needs to be a way to um, to balance those things out. But wind certainly is one of those things that that would balance those things out. And and I'd love to see more green energy in Ireland. I think I think there's there's probably even more in uh, what's the word like creative ways of getting energy out of our environment here on this island. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult to try and get energy out of the sea, but I'd love to see. I, that's what I. That's one thing I'd love to see. You'd love to see. Yes. <laughs> there was. Um, yeah. Like there, It's incredibly difficult to to work in in those kind of wet environments. Uh, mm. You know, so I I don't really know what the best way to do it is, but but certainly certainly there's there's you know there's there's got to be something. But yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'm excited for our project in the future because I don't actually know how efficient solar panels are and wind turbines are in any sort of intuitive way. Like, you know, I realize that they create energy, but I don't know how long a wind turbine needs to spin for a kettle to boil, or how long a solar panel needs to be, you know, taking in solar radiation to be able to power your lights for the evening or something like that. Where, you know, if 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 a heating system can work off of those things at all or you know so like it, it's not intuitive for me in any way and that that is what i'm really looking forward to learning over the next kind of year or so i gotta say just thought i'd throw that in there yeah a little plug for the collective but, um i'll throw in a little factoid right i did um i spent a little bit of time studying environmental science in sligo and on our first day uh somebody came in and said right you know, let's let's do a little bit of maths, and um, we decided to figure out uh, how much energy all of the human population at that time used, how much energy they would use every day, right, on average across the across the globe, and then how much energy you get from a solar panel, like a one square meter solar panel, right, and then how many solar panels you would need to put in I think yo know, in in the Sahara Desert, in order to produce enough energy for every single person on the planet, and so we did the maths, and you know we kind of made the solar panels not very efficient and stuff like that, and uh, and so it turned out that you only needed an area the size of Connacht uh, <laughs> to provide all of the energy for all of the human population, um you know now you know obviously obviously. You know, that was a very rough guess, but but you know, it would even even then, even though it's a rough guess, 
it still gives you an idea of like what we need to get to in order to support ourselves you know for with green energy and a solar panel the size of connect just it sounds <laughs> achievable you know like you know it's it sounds like that is an manageable thing to do because you just cut that into little chunks and you put them everywhere <laughs> and then uh and you know everybody gets a solar panel you know or whatever it is and, solar uh, panels for all yeah my yeah, mouth so. is <laughs> sorry <laughs> my mouth huh? is my mouth is a capital d right now it was just <laughs> this idea of a, a connect shaped and sized solar panel in the Sahara <laughs> Desert making sure no one has to be without energy again and it's just powered by yeah. a big ball of radiation in the sky brings me a lot of happiness um, That's it. actually <laughs> side, side note on that kind of vein of fantasy environmental science math we did like a similar project in first year and it was basically like the the cow farts can we harness oh, yeah. their energy and is it a viable <laughs> source of energy <laughs> and how many like you know gigajoules could we get from a cow an average herd of cows like farting for a day and then based on like the average power consumption of like a family household like how many cow farts would it take to like power one house and um, so it was quite funny because we had to get to calculate you know kind of build like a backpack for the cow I was I wasn't really I wouldn't I wouldn't be into this as a practical solution. I think the cow should just be able to do its thing and not yeah. have to be be uh, sucked on by humans anymore mm-hmm. than it already is because we have a big ball of radiation in the sky and that's uh, that's better. But uh, anyway, it was uh, not a good source of energy. But then I was like, I was building batteries from like loads of stuff at the time because you know a battery is just like two two metals and you've got uh, like an an elec- electrolyte in there. Um, so it's kind of like an electric sandwich and you can you can build batteries like fairly easily so that that, that was good now building like really good batteries that would like be able to store a lot of energy i i don't know <laughs> i don't think i could do something Different like that story, but yeah. a battery to give something a boost that's easy enough but i was like all right like just a lemon battery how many lemons would it take to power a house and it's not it's not the answer is not good it's like it's twenty thousand or something so, <laughs> so we should just focus on that big ball of radiation in the sky yeah. and the weather front that are there have you heard of a dyson sphere a dyson sphere yeah no i have not it's cool so it's like we're talking about this big ball of fire in the sky and it being able to save us all from ourselves a dyson sphere is a hypothetical megastructure that would encompass the sun. So kind of picture like an array of solar panels around the sun that would hypothetically, if we were able to, you know, technologically achieve such a thing, um, it would be able to deliver more power than we could ever, 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 ever need on Earth. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I've heard of I've heard of other other ideas like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I wonder, could you like ever wirelessly transmit power? That's the one bad thing. Because you could have loads of solar panels just sort of in geostationary orbit, like buzzing around. But yeah. if you can't bring that power back to Earth, that's not the best. Unless they could like catapult batteries from space. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way with lasers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Picturing yeah. Doctor Evil, <laughs> lasers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Checks out, man. 
I actually I was I was emailing it was like stop climate chaos who are a group in Ireland usually put out these emails that have uh, like pre-written templates to do with um, some sort of news to do with our climate bill in Ireland uh, where it makes it just really easy for anyone to you know email politicians, politicians without yeah without really having yeah. to think about it and then putting it on the long finger and then it's too late um, so I'd always like click them and uh, I think three of them replied and I have this ecotopia project where it's like imagining it's both like fantasy and then also based in like very real science and looking at blueprints from like other societies and just like what would it take for Ireland to transition to like an ecotopia and I, I sent this giant email back to like three of them and I know Richard Bruton was the only one who replied and was like hmm yes uh this would be certainly be a, a very difficult thing to achieve thank you for your suggestions oh because it's his previous email had signed off with like i welcome any suggestions that you have and i was like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> boo, boo, boo. it's like a huge document anyway yeah i'm hopeful so yeah i guess we could talk a bit about the land then on this topic of producing our own energy yeah yeah, uh, have you have you ever heard of anybody creating a heating system for their house with manure? No. Not with the not with gases that come off it, right? But um, I've seen it done once successfully, and uh, what you do is you get a little pump that's attached to something very small, like a so like a small solar panel, right? It's a pump that doesn't need very much energy to to pump, right? And then it's got then you have a long tube coming out of that pump, right, that runs underneath the the floor of, say, your your house, your your small dwelling, okay, and then, uh, and then and then, but before that, it runs through a giant pile of, say, horse shite, right, loads of it, okay, maybe like a a ton, okay, if if you have it, and you have the the tubing running in a spiral all through this manure as much as as kind of like it to have as as much length going through the manure as you possibly can and then it goes uh and then it goes underneath the house and then back around right and while it's going through the manure the manure is breaking down and creating heat and that heat passes into the water inside the tubing and so you have this kind of very low powered completely environmentally friendly underfloor heating system for your house that is going kind of pretty much whenever the pump is on so if it's really warm in the summer you just kind of flick off the pump and then <laughs> then it's not doing that anymore but the rest of the time that it's getting really warm i've heard of people warming uh water for showers that way uh as well so yeah it's something you can do i don't know if we'll have any horses or know anybody with horses around us but uh but that that i've seen somebody do it and it worked really well i was very very impressed <laughs> it is smelly <laughs> well, but if well, you've got 10 I... acres that's alright <laughs> well I never that's that's like completely new news for me you could call it pooer <laughs> it could be the infinity collective pooer pooer station. <laughs> oh that's brilliant cool thank you for that factoid that was great so um, let me ask Eleanor have you have has the affinity collective talked about the land project on this podcast before much um, 
You know what, Marcus? I don't believe we have too much. Like, we've given an introduction, kind of, but not an update, and certainly not our latest update. You haven't even done the exciting update that all our listeners should be really, really interested in. <laughs> no, and people excited have... for us for. Hold on to your hats, people of the okay, world. <laughs> you take the floor there for a minute. <laughs> cool. So, actually, what we want to do is introduce a segment at the beginning of the podcast where we give updates about the collective and what we're doing. So, Affinity Collective, as you hopefully know, uh, we're, we're a land co-op. We're an anarchist housing co-op based in Ireland. Or, sorry, cut that out and say land co-op. <laughs> so, we're basically working to build an intentional off-grid community that would be like accessible and just getting away from conventional models of living that are detrimental to our communities and ourselves and also the planet. Um, so we've been existing for about two years now and for that time have been uh, writing a constitution, swimming through lots of legal jargon, uh, some members more than others, uh, who is just amazing at persevering through all of that. We're now registered as a society, which is incredibly exciting. And we're soon to call a 9.5 acre plot in Cavan uh, our home. So what was in the fantasy part of our brains has is now coming to fruition. It is nine point five acres, right? It's. I believe it's. I think it's nine point five or nine point eight. It's just under ten, anyway. Wow. Yeah. So so that happened as of late, and we're currently in the last stages of that. It's a bit stunted at the moment, but what's important or what the big piece of news is is that we have a home and we have land. Yeah. Yeah, pretty excited to get started. Can't excited wait. to see it. <laughs> because <laughs> for any international listeners out there, we have, um, for any people not of Earth, there's a pandemic on planet Earth. And for any people not in Ireland, we are we experienced like a huge spike recently, which meant we were we have this ridiculously nonsensical level system that keeps changing and. <laughs> It like changes comically. So we have this five level tier system and based on the or number or like how bad the infection rate is, um, you go into a level that have different restrictions and you follow the restrictions to do with that level. Um, but I think like this plan had like millions poured into it between like, you know, writing the plan and then like developing graphics and infographics and pamphlets to go pe through people's doors on it. I think after a week they invented like level 2.5 <laughs> and then changed some of the rules to like be specific to Dublin and all that so pretty funny but anyway uh, we got put into a level 5 lockdown which is the biggest serious one and you're not nationally. really supposed to do anything yeah nationally as well it's not just stinky old Dublin and um, so that's kind of stunted us a little bit. I mean, we're still waiting to, to, to officially own um, this beautiful land, but uh, for me, like, I haven't actually seen it with my eyes yet, but can't at the moment, because you might get stopped by the police. Um, and you'd be like, I'm just going to work, <laughs> laying some bricks, which isn't untrue. 
Nope. I mean, you could argue with them over like what the physics and scientific definition is of work and say, well, I'm exerting energy, so that's work, and I have work to do in Kevin, so you simply must let me <laughs> bypass. No, but in, in all seriousness, interact with less people, stay at home, bring that infection right down, people of the world. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very like niggling. It's like, I feel so angsty, like I, I, I really want to get there soon. You've seen The Land, right, Marcus? I have not seen The Land. I oh. have... No, I, I'm not sure I've ever even been in Cavan, to be honest. No way, uh, I thought you had a boat near Cavan. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, near, yeah, I've gotten pretty close, I've, 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 I've flirted with the borders of Cavan, but I'm not sure I've ever actually stuck my toe, uh, you know, over, over the line, so, so we'll see soon enough, so, um, yeah, it's, it's just on the Cavan Leitrim border, it is in, it's, it's kind of where roads go to die, if you look at the map, it's very, <laughs> very remote, it's not on the way to anywhere. It's it's pretty pretty out there. So it's going to be exciting because we'll be able to see the beautiful night sky very well. Um, and you know things will be cheap and you know it'll be quiet and rural and it'll feel a bit like our own little ecotopia. So <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I'm excited. Except me and you are going to turn up there with cars <laughs> and but, ruin it. But uh, no, I do have to like marry my love of internal combustion engines with my like fever need to uh, like save earth <laughs> so for now it's driving that janky old thing but eventually a car powered by laughter <laughs> <laughs> and and the screams of billionaires no but uh yeah yeah it's it's, it's, it's a temporary temporary solution but yeah i think um what we do on the land will hopefully mean that we have a way less impact on the planet um, negatively than we would if we were engaging with conventional models of living. And not only just no impact, but maybe even um, like a positive impact. You know, maybe eventually one day we could create a grid and feed back into the grid. And I think just having a space to, you know, share what we've learned and share those skills. Because I know like we're sort of familiar with the idea that this sort of alternative is possible but I mean there's a whole mountain of humans who are like oh man the system's screwed but like is there a way out probably not I'm just going to keep on trucking and working and paying the mortgage and then babies and then I'm dead and oh no <laughs> you know but like if we're taught from super young that this is possible then who knows, you know? And I'm really lucky with the people that I've met in my life that, and the places that I've traveled that I learned about these things being a possibility. But what Affinity mm. Collective, I hope, will be, would be, you know, a learning space. It's like a, hopefully we could create like a, a blueprint and help pave the way for like future groups who want to do a similar thing and be like, yeah, come on over, we'll tell you everything that we know. Because um, I, I know, like a lot of it was new to, to, to me and to us and um, yeah I'm just so buzzed we're gonna make zines have skill sharing spaces have housing for people and folks and be growing like food and vegetables and planting native trees and like experimenting with agroforestry and it's all just so so this is our first time talking about uh, 
the actual LAN project that we're gonna we're gonna be building on the podcast. Um, earlier, you mentioned a little bit about native plants versus kind of uh, non-native plants. Maybe we could uh, kind of maybe we could spend a little bit of time talking about what we'll do on the first week that we're there. Uh, you know, and and so we're we're gonna arrive, you know, in our big dirty cars, <laughs> and we're gonna turn them off. And then we're then we're gonna have shovels and spades and seeds and saplings and and what what do you see happening in the first week? What do you think we'll be looking to to start planting and what do you think we'll be looking to start removing? Uh, well, we'll show off. We'll turn off the ignition and then uh, the trees that are around are gonna be like <laughs> and suck up that carbon. So hopefully we'll have guilt <laughs> guilt free rallying. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, I've not seen the land, you've not seen the land. I'm not sure what like it looks like in terms of the trees that are already there. But yeah, if we have saplings, then let's get them down if that if the land is good. But if not, what I would see is us having like a nursery where the trees are still in pots until which time we have a space that's suitable to plant them. Because um, if we plant them in unsuitable conditions or a place that's waterlogged, then the trees might not thrive and they also might die, which would be a waste of the saplings. So, I mean, trees can be survive in pots that are just like really large for a long time. So I guess, yeah, assess the land, have our like little fleet of native trees. And um, what's not, do you know the trees that are already on the land? Is it like- uh, I, I don't really, but well, so there's one giant open field then there's one not very big open-ish field and those are all bordered by a couple of deciduous trees like beeches, ashes mm. and uh, and and stuff like that. There's a couple of them. Uh, I think there's one, there's like sycamores and I think there might be one big oak uh, mm. that I saw a photo of but the, the whole of the land is kind of bordered by giant Sitka uh, plantations and Get other em. non-native <laughs> pines and stuff. Uh, oh, that's I. I'm so curious about that oak. I wanna I wanna meet it and have a chat with it and be like, what have you seen? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of the sickest spruce, let's, let's let's get at it and let's turn it into useful stuff <laughs> and replace it with 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 native trees for sure. I'm actually funny enough going to buy a, a chainsaw from. <laughs> someone on the outskirts of Dublin tomorrow for this land project great uh, which is yeah, that's gonna be, <laughs> that's, that'll be very handy <laughs> oh yeah officer no I'm just going to buy a chainsaw <laughs> to cut down on native trees down by me which actually reminds me of we were chatting earlier about this amazing news bulletin that I saw which was some of you may have heard of a lady who was arrested for cutting down loads of non-native trees and planting them or replacing them with native trees. So her name's like Shana Jones and she cut down 200 Sitka spruces in Cork and uh, she replaced them all with native trees. This lone woman went with a chainsaw and cut down 200 and what's beautiful is she said that she had the right to do this. under ancient law so maybe she was drawing on like some beautiful system like the Brehan laws were like in the eyes of that system which was a really beautiful system she had the right to do this um, and she she calls herself a conscious uh, objector of the environment and she said that she was one of earth's protectors and she was managing part of the forest because of her love uh, of Ireland's native trees and how it's imperative that we restore our native trees 
Um, uh, but she was actually set to go to to go to jail, which is crazy. Like it's ridiculous. But she's got twelve months suspended sentence, and right. I think she had to make some kind of a statement that she was like, "I will not do this again." But she just <sighs> said that. I understand that I am not to do that again without the permission of culture. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just like what a what a badass! Like it was amazing. Um, Great. Maybe uh, maybe we should shoot her an email. I was really thinking about that. Like be like, hey, you're a legend. Do you want to hang out? You want to you want to come to our land and hang out? Did you um, see that we got a pretty interesting shout out yesterday? I didn't know. Um, hold on, let me pull it up here. Uh, yeah, I think we got a little shout out from uh, Saoirse McHugh. On what? What did they say? On on I'm not really sure. I guess it's tw- <laughs> on Twitter. Um, Saoirse was just kind of. She said, "I just want to live in a tiny house and grow food with other people in a tiny house village where we share work and be surrounded by acres <laughs> of wilderness." Right. And then someone uh, someone tweeted back saying, "Hey, you should check out the Affinity Collective because you know that's that's what we're up to." Wow. So yeah, <laughs> so that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I'm really really buzzed. This has been like something that's been a pipe dream since I was young, and to be involved in a project at this stage is just beyond. It's it's really exciting. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anarchist ecotopia that's accessible to all. Paving the way for the revolution. Um, yeah. Burgers. Say that again? Burgers. Burgers? <laughs> Angry farmers. Oh, the European <laughs> Union and their shite. Or just animal agriculture, or just the systems that we have on planet Earth that exist and still exist so that people can still sit and grasp onto their piles of money and power you know a lot of these systems are getting exposed for what they really are and they're at risk of falling apart um so and which is which is great so we have something like animal agriculture which is a monster globally and we have like in ireland we're like a big beef and dairy nation you know so uh it's kind of understandable to like you know have empathy for these people who live quite rural they're farmers the only life that they've ever known is raising cattle and selling milk you know so the idea of that being threatened by these city yuppie duppie <laughs> plant eating tofu kissing vegans is like yeah that's going to inspire rage you can imagine loads of farmers just in the countryside being like what a load of pricks you know, because their livelihood's being challenged. How they look after their families is being challenged. The status quo, that yeah. the, the only life that they're used to is being challenged. But the thing is, is like the sale of meat and dairy and the consumption of animal products, it, it's amazing. It's decreasing like a huge amount every year. And the veganism was up something mad. Is like that six, true? Uh, yeah. Sorry, what did you say? Is that true? Is it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. Well, no, that's we're a still, surprise. Yeah. So what's mad is that like, we have this rise in veganism, which is 600%. We're seeing this huge uptake in people adopting meat-free diets, dairy-free diets, or even doing like the one, two days a week thing. But the production hasn't ceased, which is hugely problematic. So what's happening is that our waste mm. is just... The, the big enemy of... Well, one enemy 
is waste. Like waste is one of the biggest problems that we have is we just produce a ridiculous amount of stuff, like loads of stuff, food, cars, materials, oils, like all of these, this is excess, it's disgusting excess and that's that's not used and it's more economically viable to just dispose of it, burn it, you know? So anyway, we have these systems in Ireland, we're a big meat and dairy nation, that's in a bit of decline. So we're seeing a lot of like, it's kind of like milky propaganda, to be honest. You're seeing these huge billboards and a lot of advertisements that are trying to prey on people's insecurities with dairy, like especially like protein milk and stuff like that. Yeah. Like Avonmore had, or no, it was Irish Dairy had an ad like three years ago and it popped up on my YouTube and it was like hilarious, but it was like this child with red hair and her character is like this little like no know-it-all prick who's like standing there with crossed arms um while this like really stressed out woman is there and she's like trying to practice yoga and then she's going to a cafe and she's like getting her plant milk and like she's just kind of in a frenzy this whole ad and um the little kid is just like now if you were like not drinking soy milk this wouldn't i don't know it was it was a really stupid ad anyway but it was just like berating like anyone for like eating you know like vegan stuff or like trying to have a more natural way of life and there was a few ads and a couple I know they were like quite derogatory and they, they ended up getting taken down because of all the complaints but it's like those ads were created out of desperation because there's such a big mm. decline and it's like all of these like the protein milk buzz as well someone had a really interesting article about that also being this like other desperate attempt to you know try and create this revolution or like renaissance and popularity of dairy products which i i don't think is going to happen at least I, I hope not but we're still producing the same amount Th these systems are able to survive because there's a huge amount of government subsidies and it's the same in the states like animal agriculture is one of the most powerful industries um in in the world like we, alongside like oil and arms it's it's mad and they only exist because they get huge sums of money from the government. Yeah, and it's just, it's baffling. Like, the aliens again that we were talking about, they're looking at <laughs> Earth from up above. They're going to be like, what are these people doing? Like, so so we, we, need, we need to be able to create, like, a, a just transition. We need to make it easy for people to transition. Like, instead of relying on your two things, like cattle and dairy, imagine a world where you could have, like, a cornucopia of food all the time and you you don't have to worry about one crop failing or one source disappearing and then you being in the darkness and being bankrupt and all that like what if you could have spuds alfalfa kales broccoli beans like food all year round lovely agro forest it's vibrant there's wildlife there and you don't have to worry about you know a, a scarcity anymore and it's possible to do this i've actually seen a couple of projects in America that did this in really, really, really rural southern areas where, like, it'd be really hard to create something like that. Um, yeah. But but there's no, like, interest at the highest tiers of power in societies to, to make this, you know, a popular alternative. So we have something, like, you were talking about earlier with, like, this just incredibly large wastes of time and energy and money poured into a case that tried to make it illegal to use certain names when referring to like alternatives to animal products so yeah tell me about that that was a long introduction i'm sorry <laughs> um yeah i i can't 
from what I remember recently, the I don't I don't know who brought the case to the to the European Union, um, but the the argument was that they didn't want uh, on be on on the consumer's behalf in case they were to get confused. They didn't want things like veggie burgers being referred to being able to be called veggie burgers. They they wanted them to be change to have their names forcibly changed to things like veggie discs and things like you know vegan sausages wouldn't be allowed to be called vegan sausages under this proposal they'd have to be called you know vegan you know whatever something else and uh and all and that was in line with the thing that i think was already put in place by the european union a couple of years ago about um plant-based milks that that you that they that Consume th- that that milks couldn't be plant-based milks couldn't be called milks or still can't be called milks in the European Union. I'm not really sure where that stands, but the case went against whoever brought that to the European Union, and and I th- and MEPs rejected um, the proposals to reserve meat-related names for products containing meat. So so there was so there's no change there, and a veggie burger is still a veggie burger. But soya milk is not soya milk in in the European Union. It's soya drink, (laughs) which is uh, very annoying and stupid. Loudy, loudy, loud. It's yeah, it's hilarious. Like it, I am sorry. Why that big tangent happened was just looking at this. I kind of perceive it anyway. It's just this sort of desperate attempt to grapple onto the old world and like yeah. th- think that like protecting the word burger and having it exclusively for like dead animals is gonna create some kind of zeitgeist to make everyone revert back to buying meat <laughs> is is absurd like and it's just like so much rage and anger and energy was really wasted on that kind of a case and i think it's tragic like because it's easy for me being surrounded by like vegetables and not being a farmer it's easy for me to be like we all need to go vegan we need to stop killing beautiful animals and eating their wings and legs and we should all eat vegetables because there's enough for everyone it's easy for me to say that because i don't have a family on a farm that rely on me selling meat to survive you know yeah now it would totally be possible to have an alternative but you can see why this rage is is there and we need our governments to help make this transition you know um and yeah if only they'd (laughs) take that money that they're propping up the the meat industries with and help subsidize the creation of these new food foodstuffs you know then then the whole thing would just be a lot simpler and you can call it whatever the hell you want you know but those farmers would have a lot less to be afraid of then you know if they were able to transition into soybean production for milk or you know whatever it is what whatever is most economic for them millions know. of oats millions and bajillions yeah. of oats yeah, they grow so well in ireland and they make some deadly milk but yeah, yeah like have this like they're great agroforestry 101 for irish farmers and part of the land becomes an animal sanctuary and then the rest of it the majority of it becomes an agroforest and it just it looks so much more beautiful it's a nice place to be so people's mental health is a little bit nicer and you've just got foodstuffs all year round you got nuts you got beans you got spuds you got oats you got barley 
and oh yeah it's just it's the dream like but it's not it doesn't need to be some wild fantasy pipe dream like this is incredibly achievable it's uh that an agro forest is a much more difficult thing to drive a combine harvester through though and i think <laughs> to, you know i think the hard work associated with actually having to having to you know to to do that manual labor um is something that's probably not very appealing to people who are used to being able to sit back and just pull levers and press buttons you know and kind of harvest mm. harvest stuff easily that's and i think that's that mentality needs to be trained out a little bit because you can certainly produce far more food on uh on an acre of land using food forestry ideas and permaculture and stuff like that but you know you have to you have to be a lot more involved in it you know you have to you have to be there touching it more and you know kind of singing to it you know weeding it and you know picking the bugs off and stuff <laughs> and you can't just drive a huge machine through it then at the end of it and collect your 50 grand or whatever it is so so yeah i mean but hopefully like so i don't know like that it's just that's your job then but i mean maybe that would create more work for more people that is much more pleasant to do and and yeah. stuff like that like there, there's huge potential in those ideas but but the way that people perceive work and food production needs to change a little bit you know like it's, it's time to get dirt under our nails again That's yeah 100 percent rolling around with the worms but i think i <laughs> i agree with you that the idea of the amount of like physical labor that would be involved is like oh no hell no i just want to drive my tractor through the fields you know i just want to do that but i think what a lot of that comes from or I guess why that sort of mentality exists is because you're creating like huge amounts of crops or you're harvesting huge amounts of crops that are really unnecessary and they kind of lead mm. to um, this overproduction and then a huge amount of waste so like a lot of the food that's grown will actually about be... a third of it is that right yeah yeah just gets, gets thrown away yeah, I mean, that's that's criminal. So if there was over time like a consciousness shift that I, I really hope for that in the future we'll look back at the way that we used to regard food and space and land and be like, the actual fuck. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, if we could kind of abolish that mindset of like scarcity <laughs> um, and just, yeah, I don't know, have some kind of, I guess, economic incentive for those who, who need it. Um, to to move away from those systems, that'd be that'd be really something. <laughs> Maybe we can have uh, agroforestry one hundred and one Skillshare workshops on the land someday. Yeah, I, th I I imagine we'll be doing that as quickly as possible. Like hopefully <laughs> by this coming summer, you know, there's there's other great groups to learn from in Ireland in terms of building and food production. Um, yeah. And I can't wait to engage with them. And we're we're gonna we're gonna need the ideas, you know. We're gonna need the inspiration. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to know those folks a bit more. I hope. Yeah, deadly. Me too. I'm buzzing. Um, cool. Well, we like wrap it up. Sounds here? sounds good. Yeah. Cool. So thanks, humans, for tuning in with your ears. I hope that it's not a really long time before the next one, but we're working on it. Um, if you got your computer open and you want to check out what we're doing, you can um, go to affinitycollective.info where there's sometimes updates and we're posting like blogs, 
Our Twitter is Affinity Collective uh, Era. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's Affinity. Hold on. Affinity. Oh, sorry, it's Affinity Co. Uh, era. So like. I. Like uh, I or E. So the beginning of Ireland. Affinity Co. I or E. So twitter.com forward slash affinity co I or E. You can shoot us a message on there. You can email us at um, affinity collective at protonmail.com. And yeah, you can donate to our GoFundMe or send it to your local anarchist sugar daddy if you want. <laughs> we need your help. Um, yeah. Thanks and chat. Hopefully, soon. yeah. Hopefully, chat to you again soon. Cool. Ending recording. Bye.